Every year, when January slips into February, Berlin's foremost petri dish of contemporary electronic, digital, and experimental music takes place at the CTM Festival. This year, CTM celebrated its 20th anniversary, exploring the theme of persistence with a jam-packed 10-day program of concerts, club nights, and performances. Fluffy as this theme of persistence may seem, it nonetheless gives a way of reflecting into the artistic practices of the four artists I was so lucky as to talk with. Well, what is persistence? Something that still exists despite of, existing through, with a power or force that is not extinguished. Something that roots back in time to ancient forms of human existence or marks the times and places they were brought up in, that somehow sits waiting in our bones, DNA, dreams, stored in our muscles and memories. But persistence is also something that mutates, transitioning constantly, and always resonating and interfering in our hybrid societies and in our histories. We are hybrids of nationality, culture, gender, and so much more. So how do we work with that? Maria W. Horn is a Swedish composer, and in her recent album Contrapoetique, she investigates both personally, historically, and sonically the turmoiled past of her home region, Ongamaland, in the north of Sweden once the site of Sweden's largest documented execution of women accused of witchcraft. We met up for a talk about her past and present, and counter-reading in a satanic feminist sect. My name is Maria W. Horn. I call myself a composer of electroacoustic and audiovisual music, mainly. And um, I grew up in the north of Sweden, but since 10 years, I've been based in Stockholm. Um, and uh, right now I'm at CTM, where I've done an artist talk and, and a concert. So I'm very relieved to now have my life back and be able to go on with projects. <laughs>
I don't remember like the description precisely, but they say that you place yourself somewhere between like a minimalism and power electronics and something really forceful. What are your thoughts about this in-between place? Or what do you feel like personally that you draw on? I think I was very inspired by both more brutalist and noise music kind of maximalist elements. Since I also played in punk bands, I was interested in noise music and that scene in some ways, but also very much in minimalist compositional methods and things like that, which became important to me, especially when I started study composition. So I think I'm drawing inspiration from both. So maybe if I compose using a very reductionist technique or minimalist ideas, then I might contrast that with some chaotic elements like feedback or chance operations. Cherry picking the best of both worlds. How did you come into doing music? I grew up on the countryside outside a small city called Hanesand in the northwest of Sweden. Music was not in my family at all. My mom is a nurse, my father is working in the machine of an oil tanker. So it was more of a, a working class background. I didn't have this cultural, um, I wasn't like <laughs> to become a, an artist but I guess back then if you look at Sweden people call it like the socialist wonderland and I guess I grew up in the afterglow of that the labor movement worked so hard to provide even working class kids to have culture and to be able to like study an instrument for free and things like that so I think this was a really defining thing for me that's how I began doing music. I've gone through the whole like school system of music, sort of from being a kid taking piano lessons to like Folkhögskola and then met some friends whom I started playing in bands with, like punk bands, and then Musikhögskola, like music college. And now I'm sort of <laughs> living as an artist by 
grants from the Swedish government. <laughs> so in many ways I have to say I'm very privileged by the whole welfare state of Sweden. <laughs> like that's why I'm doing music in a way. But it's also in constant decline, like drawbacks and cutbacks in social welfare systems. I think I lose my track. What was the question from the beginning? How I got into music? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think just the contrast from growing up like in a small town to moving to a big city and studying composition in Stockholm, I sort of realized how different these worlds are and the kind of people that are in the academic music world. Now I'm getting into like social class again and those kind of things, but if you feel as not a part of a world. It's like a constant thing to process. I actually have a side project working specifically with this thing. When I realized that I have completely different references than other people in this world. I started thinking more about this and like, how can I use the cultural reference I got? For instance, my dad is very much into motors, like motor culture was a huge thing. If you grow up on the countryside, the car becomes the ultimate symbol of freedom. <laughs> so just the type of music that I heard growing up, this kind of heavy metal and metal that is not at all a cool reference to have. <laughs> but I started thinking like, how can I use these references in my music? So I have another side project where I do that. It's called Tomorrow, T-M-R-W. And uh, it's been so much fun working with that. We organized something called Motorrave, the best from like Greece culture and rave culture combined. We invite people to come with their Volvo cars and just like park in a circle and have a rave in the middle. Taking back the symbols of low culture that I felt connected to and make something of that.
as a teen I was <laughs> I was really into like metal and even though Sweden is a very secular country there's this Christian morality that is very present I would say in society there the panic that came out of the church burning in the 90s so I was just a kid when this happened but I still remember this super dangerous music grown-ups were really reacting towards this protect your kids this is like this is dangerous satanic music it will destroy your kids that sort of panic <laughs> and it shaped me a lot I think and of course made this black metal way more interesting <laughs> Let's talk a bit about the um, Contrapoetique mm. album. Actually, it started out as a commission from my hometown, from one of the small museums we have there. They asked me to compose a piece based on archival material. So they gave me free hands to just look through the archive and see what I would find. So for me, that changed a lot my attitude towards my hometown because when I grew up this was the shittiest place in the world you know as a kid everyone just waited to be able to leave this nowhere place that's how I thought of it and then through this archival work I think it enabled me to reconnect and change my mind about the place because it is historically really interesting one of the things was the witch burnings. It was one of the places where most women and also men were burnt for being accused of doing witchcraft. These are also part of like threads that continues until this day. But it's also a really abstract thing to comprehend. Like all of these people were killed here. There's a lot of texts and there's a lot of old spells and things like that. And also old church books that documents who were accused of being a witch. Also around Ongemaland in several places you can find monuments of where the burnings took place. And one of them, there's a big monolith on a place called Witch Mountain, where most people were killed. It's this huge rock that just reads, if I would translate it to English, it would be, the faith of time befalls men. It's really epic and scary in the same way. It's such a big 
historic event and it's so connected to the like morality of the Christian church and also to other personal <laughs> events in my life where the church has been a very condemning power. In parallel to me working with researching the area of Ongemaland, we did rituals and ceremonies uh, in different ways in a project that was actually a satanic feminist sect, a group of women and trans women, and we wanted to work with counter-readings as a concept. Resistance or just the idea of counter-movements, how could we use counter-readings of, say, these mythological or religious texts, such as the Genesis narratives. Satan as a woman that rebelled against the patriarchy of God and all his priests and were thrown out of heaven. <laughs> this affects the whole history of what came next. The nervous man clicked us together. Den här materia. Den är fiktiv. Den förkroppsligar. Den bebor oss. Michelle Yangmir, one of the members of the sect, it's her text and it's a kind of invocation of the devil and of sisterhood. Den är indignerad. Den är lika verklig som den miljö vi definierar som vår. Den är vår uppvaktning. Den är vår kropp. Utifrån tanken om att den omhuldar oss genom den data. So these concepts we wanted to work with also in a personal sense. Den vi känner, den hörsammar, den söndrar. 
how can we use our own experiences? Can they be transformed and sort of, can we manifest this as a group in order to validate our feelings of anger that many of us felt? So it was a really powerful work. Music and concerts are definitely a very ritualistic thing. But to me, it's so important to understand and remember what was the initial meaning and drive behind this particular manifestation or this ritual or this musical performance. Because now these days, any concept is so easily being stolen by big companies that want to brand themselves as activist and youthful and political in different sense. For me, the important thing isn't the ritual in itself, but what we want to manifest with it.
Denn vi och slutna cirkel och direkt våra former, vårt språk, vårt kretslopp, våra vädjanden, vårt systerskap. Listening to The Lake.